You are listening to Infertility Bites. It's a catharsis podcast. Infertility Bites, but it bites a bit less when you're not alone. My name is Casey, and I am blessed to be joined by my co-captain in this journey, my wife, Sarah. Hello. On this series, we're going to talk about our experiences dealing with infertility. It is important to note, however, that we are not doctors or even experts. Nope. We're just people who understand how difficult it can be. Each person's journey is unique, like a fingerprint, so it is best to leave the medicine to the professionals, but we hope to give people a little bit of hope and understanding that they're not alone going through this. Um, We are recording this a little later than we normally would, uh, so we (laughs) apologize for it being a little late. Being a parent is full of surprises that can force you to adapt your schedule, and this week was one of them. It's nothing serious, just something time-consuming and frustrating. Um, but we'll move on. Last week, we focused on things we didn't expect with infertility treatments. And at the end, we asked what you were surprised with. And we did get some, some very good answers for that. So we will get to those answers in a bit. First, we wanted to talk a little bit about something many of us have to do for infertility. And that is drugs. Capital D, yes. drugs. Um, lots and lots. Lots and lots of them. Depending on what treatment you're going through, you may have a whole lot of drugs to deal with. Or you may just have a few. Um, if if you're just going through treatment like IUI or even, even pre-IUI, if you're just going through some treatments where they think that all you need is a little bit of a help over the hump, Um, They might put you on uh, a drug like Clomid or a similar drug. Uh, And those those drugs work in a specific way to to help a woman ovulate um, and get a little bit more uh, productive with their eggs. That's that's what I always kind of thought that like the first or second time I brought up uh, that I was you know we wanted to have kids and we weren't i kept thinking they would bring that up but they never did but of course we always say be your own advocate because if they're not saying anything then maybe best thing to do is to ask say hey would this work but yeah exactly and and clomid is is very popular exactly and clomid is very popular for that reason uh it's it's easy to to prescribe even non-fertility experts uh can often do it like in in our hometown of Kearney, there was a doctor there who would prescribe clomid like, um that's all he ever did prescribe at least i ever heard well i mean that's what he would do it, it, there was no fertility specialist but there was a guy who was the go-to guy to prescribe an injectable like clomid to help people and for a lot of people, that might be all they need is just that little extra help over, over the hump to, to produce quality eggs or, or drop the eggs properly or, or produce more eggs. Um, for other people, they're not going to be quite so lucky. They might need some more treatment, something to the level of IUI, at which point they will probably be on Clomid, but they will also be on probably a lot of other drugs. Um, a a kind of backwards concept to think about when doing a lot of these more advanced uh, fertility treatments is they often put you on birth control yeah. for a month or two. 
And and that's all about regulating your cycle to where it can be predictable and they know what they can expect and yeah. and the timing and everything. So they'll put you on on a birth control so they can get the timing down to to be predictable. And then they'll uh, hit you with some of the other drugs, right? Uh, for us, I know we had uh, Folistim was the regular drug that we did. Yeah. Um, that uh, follicle. Is that the pin? Yes. That's a follicle stimulating hormone. It's designed to help make you uh, develop more eggs. Um, for for a lot of people going through infertility, one of the problems that they face is is not developing quality eggs and a, a folistim um, or a similar drug like that will help you develop these eggs the, these follicles that are more mature and potentially have more eggs especially if you're going through something like uh, IVF like we had to go through where they're actually going to go in and harvest the eggs and take them out and <laughs> just every time you say harvest, I'm just like imagining in my inside, just like getting crops. Little, little combine going Sorry. through your uterus. Um, That's kind of what it felt like when I woke up. So, but to, to go in and harvest these eggs and then and then in a petri dish, uh, fertilize them and develop them and all of that stuff, and so. With a drug like Folistim, that's designed around making more eggs, more quantity of eggs. Um, there's also Gonal F. I think we had to do that at one point as well. Um, there's uh, uh, Novarel and Ovidarel. Um, those are, are to also help develop the eggs and mature them. Um, there are, you know, there's progesterone progesterone and oil we had to do which is not a fun thing because it's a very thick liquid and so the needle that was that had to go in my bum yeah and um and so a lot of these things i think we had to do pregnant i think that was the one that we had to do for that and like i said progesterone um there's a whole lot of them and and the simple fact is I could go down the list of them and talk about the ones that we had. But like I said before, every person's journey is going to be unique. And so your doctor may have you on some that we weren't on. They may have you on the same ones that we were on and more or less. Um, but it's important to understand that there's a lot of drugs, which then brings us to getting the drugs. Because it's such a specialized field and these drugs are so unique in what they do, most pharmacies don't carry these drugs because there's only one use for these drugs and that's fertility treatment. So you have to find a pharmacy that can get you these drugs. In Omaha, where we now live, there's actually a couple pharmacies. There's a Walgreens specialty and a Kohl's specialty pharmacy that you can get your drugs from. Uh, but when we lived in Kearney, which is where we were going through most of these treatments, yeah, those weren't an option. Uh, so we had to go through well, mail you, orders. Technically, they were. Mm-hmm. It's just we just found it easier. I think I want to say cheaper. Yeah, well... 
there was was there rebates i'm trying to think? there were rebates and that and your doctor will go through a lot of that stuff with you there are um certain rebates that you can qualify for depending on your financial situations um that can get you some discounts on the drugs um and again we talked about it if you happen to be in a situation where your insurance will cover infertility treatments drugs are kind of the thing that most people i've talked to say that's the thing you want to pay for out of pocket because you can get these different discounts on them if you're paying from out of pocket versus if they're sending them through insurance so a drug that out of pocket costs you a thousand dollars if you submit to insurance might ding your insurance for 1500 or 2000 at which point again you're going up against a lifetime maximum of of dollars and so every dollar you submit to insurance is a dollar less you'll get to use later on so um so we ended up going through a company out of is it missouri i think it was missouri i'm trying to remember we've got the box in the uh cupboard here we could look at because yeah. it's still got the address Because we're weird on. and we saved really weird things throughout this thing. We saved a lot of things, but... Um, but they were very... I mean, they were... Anytime I called and we needed a refill... Because, I mean, this is very time sensitive. So it's like, you know, every day at 9 o'clock at night, Casey was giving me shots. So it was like, if we ran out... I mean, I would call and, I mean, the next day they was in a... Um, cooler box cooler box waiting and because some of the drugs yeah have to be cooled and refrigerated some of them it doesn't matter uh but so when you order them they'll ship them to you if you go through a mail order or if you go through a local place you'll pick them up usually in some sort of refrigerated box um and and so we would have to like i call it five o'clock in the afternoon because sarah would be, you know, get home from work and look through and realize that we were on our last vial of Follistin or whatever. So I'd call them and I'd say, we need to create another order and can I get that overnighted? And the next day, the yeah. box would arrive with, with more of whatever drug we needed. And um, it's appreciated when you, you have that. Mm-hmm. So it's good to find one that you, I mean, if you have a bad experience, try a different one because, I mean, I guess it still is a lot of work, but I mean, we were really lucky Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't that was one thing that it wasn't a worry that it wasn't going to be on our doorstep. I mean, there was always a worry that some random person could potentially come and grab it while we were at work. Um, but not stemming from them not delivering it. And you you end up playing this balancing game because these drugs are very important. and You need to make sure you have them so that you're you're not skipping a single injection on anything because skipping or skimping on any injections can be the difference between the treatment working that cycle or not working so you have this game where you're trying to make sure you've got enough of them to do everything however you also know that you're going in usually weekly to get blood tests uh, where they're going to check your your different hormone levels. They're going to check to see if you're ready. They're going to do ultrasounds to see if your follicles are are developing properly and all of this. And they could at any kind of point in that say, we're ready, move on. 
or we're going to give you another month. And so you don't want to order too much because there's really not an easy way to get a refund on any of this stuff. Yeah, well, there is. I mean, I and so you have this extra that's just going to sit around. And sure, there's always a chance that, well, big chance that the treatment's not going to work the first time and then you're going to have to do another round of it. And so you'll be able to use that extra but there's also a chance that it will work and you don't want to have a large stockpile of extra just sitting around. Yeah. So you're playing this game about ordering, trying to order just the right amount of drugs so you don't have a bunch laying around, but also ordering more yeah. so you don't have to worry about running out. Because I... again, if you run out on a Saturday evening, even the pharmacy that we went through the earliest you are going to get it is Monday. Yeah. If if you're lucky. Um, and, and then if there's a holiday, because we were going through this and there was, a, I think there was at least one, like, bank holiday well, during the month that we were doing it. Uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day, yeah. Because that was, that was when actually when we got right around my retrieval. Mm-hmm. So we had to make sure that we had enough to go through that. But I, I do feel like I did call... Methodist and asked, I said, you know, hey, I'm going to be ordering, you know, and I do believe they did try to help me like, cause I'd be like, cause like, you know, he was saying, you, you can't really go back and say, Hey, I want to refund this. I didn't end up needing this bottle. Cause they're going to be like, sorry. Um, so I, I'm just saying, don't hesitate to call whoever you're going through. Cause they might be able to say, Hey, from the looks, you you probably might continue, so go ahead. Yes, it's still a gamble. They might be wrong, but you would rather have it, unfortunately, than not have it. Mm -hmm. um, and more than that, another thing I'll advise is become active in a local infertility Facebook group. Um, I can't tell you how many times on the local to our area Facebook group, Omaha, where we live now, uh, I've seen someone post saying, hey, I just found out that my pharmacy is out of XXX drug, out of Folistim or out of Pregnil or whatever. And I need some. Does anyone have any extra that I can borrow? And then I will pay you back with it. You know? And so become part of that community can be very helpful for everyone around because now you've got another resource, uh, yeah. a neighbor that you can knock on their door and ask to borrow a cup of sugar if you need to. Very uh, expensive cup of very sugar. Very expensive <laughs> cup of sugar, but we're all in this but together. we all understand. Yeah, we understand each other. Yeah, and we know that, that this is the, the last hope for all of us, and we're all putting out baby vibes to everyone and, and trying to help each other out the best we can. So that's an important way to kind of help you out um, to get involved in those communities. It also is handy because you don't feel quite so alone when you see other people posting about their struggles uh, and their successes and their happiness because it's one thing to have a co-worker who has popped out four babies before and, and just seems to get pregnant by looking at her husband come in and be excited about having a baby. It's another thing 
when you talk to someone that you know has been struggling in the same way that you've been struggling and is finally far enough along that they feel comfortable telling about it, talking about it, right? So, so that's kind of an important thing to get in. Now, most places probably do something similar to this. Uh, Methodist, where we went through, specifically requires everyone going through their infertility, whether it's IUI or IVF, to take a injectables course. Because for the most part, all of these drugs are going to be self-administered. So you have to learn how to give yourself an injection or at the very least have a significant other (laughs) give you said injection. As as he said, because that's what I did. (laughs) And in the grand scheme of things, I don't like needles any more than the next person. But I wanted a baby more than I disliked needles. So I would help out in any way I can. And of course, I'm on the easier side of this needle. I'm I'm on the side I'm on the dull side of this needle. It's Sarah who is taking the pointy end. Yeah, but I will say I I greatly appreciated you giving me the shots because you know how much I hate needles. And so I I will say this I was very appreciative that you never gave me grief. You just did it. You were always very you even gave me the idea about the ice when something about when you give your bum a shot, my gosh, it's mm-hmm. like it helped if you ice it. Yeah. He would he would give like 15 minutes and I'd just go and ice the one side because we rotated mm-hmm. and it definitely helped. And so that's kind of one of the things that, that the class will go through. First, they'll, they'll pass around examples of the type of syringes that you'll likely use. Um, for us, Folistim uh, was available in a pin form which we specifically chose that. And so in a bit of background, my own father uh, dealt with diabetes through most of his adult life. And towards the end, the last 20 years or so, he actually had had switched from a standard syringe to a, a insulin pen, which is actually a lot more common now. In fact, most diabetics on insulin now use the pin as far as i can tell Mm -hmm. um it's way more convenient and everything if you have the chance to use the pin versus standard syringes i highly recommend it because the pin is almost brain dead you can't really mess it up Mm -mm. another nice thing with the pin is when you order you'll you'll order it in uh Units, You'll get a thing that says, I've got 100 units. Or this one's got 50 units or 150 or whatever, right? But they're always overfilled. You don't know how much they're overfilled, but they're overfilled a certain amount. And so with those, you actually end up getting a little bit extra drug Mm -hmm. for your money. And you can use it. And they're really handy. You'll just dial in the uh, amount, the number of units you're supposed to give. And uh, you insert the needle and you press was, down on the top. That one was in my, around yeah, my those belly button. Those were on the stomach, yes. Stomach area. Uh, and you press down on like clicking a pin and it injects the right amount. And if you're towards the end of the cartridge, 
it'll inject however much is left in it and leave so, yeah. the number of units still on there. So when you put the next one in, it just injects the remaining amount. So it makes it that you can get the exact amount in even if you run out in one cartridge. Um, they also have super thin needles, so yeah. they're not as bad. You're still doing an injection in your stomach, but it's not as bad because the needles are a really, really thin gauge. Um, but in this class, they'll pass those around so you can kind of look at them. You can see how they work. Um, they might even demonstrate uh, on a piece of silicone or something how to insert the needle and press it down, you know, and they'll pass them around. But it's a half an hour to hour long class. Yeah. And they throw a lot of information at you. And it's both for IUI and IVF patients. So you'll be seeing some drugs or some types of, of needles that you don't have to deal with and some that you do. But it's still very handy to at least get used to yeah. the idea of what you're going to do. Um, yeah. For me, it was very overwhelming. And I think that's because I hadn't done any research, really. I didn't really quite get it. Because I remember, I think when we were leaving, to be honest, I think I started crying because mm -hmm. I was just so, I was like, I didn't realize we'd be doing, and I mean, now that I look back on it, it it's not, I mean, it wasn't that scary. I mean, we, he gave me an injection every night for this one until we got to a certain point and then it moved to my, my bum. And then we did that for, until even after I was officially, mm -hmm. uh, and at one point in the middle, then we give what they call the trigger shot. Yeah. That's the one that uh, you give to trigger the ovulation to the point that they can go in and harvest and all of yeah. that. But our recommendation is don't have anything planned after this and just go do something. Just relax after yeah. it because yeah. I, I just, I know for me and maybe it was just me, but I was just so panicked after it because I think... First and foremost, I just thought, oh my gosh, just the drugs alone is going to cost $50,000. Like, there were so many, you know, I am I was lucky to have Casey because he'd be like, okay, well, we wouldn't need that drug. We would only need this one. And he was apparently either paying more attention. I was just maybe every time they showed a new thing, I got more overwhelmed. So if you learn anything, just, you know, take deep breaths because that's something I should have done more of during the class because I did get very overwhelmed mm -hmm. but it's it is overwhelming that's really what it is but once you kind of know it and you know it's coming on it's a little bit easier to plan and, and the first couple of injections are the toughest because those are the ones where you're not sure if you're doing it right yeah. um, and you're worried you know, what if I did this wrong am I gonna am I gonna introduce a uh, uh, bubble into my vein or whatever. Now, most of the drugs are being done subcutaneously or into fatty tissue, not directly into veins. Yeah. None of these drugs are you finding finding an artery or a vein to put it straight no. into. It's just going into the fatty tissue on your stomach, uh, sometimes your upper thighs, or your, yeah. your butt. And each drug might have a specific spot that it prefers. Yeah. And like for, for us, we talked about the main drug that we were doing, the Follistim, it was in her stomach. 
and you know you're alternating locations because and it's something i already knew about with my dad if you do the same the injection in the same spot too often and by too often i mean for weeks at a time you can you can cause a a reaction there where the skin kind of sinks in and and it's it's not pleasant and so you want to make sure that you're you're changing the location so you're not going into the same spot all the time um and knowing you know where to put it so we had the ones in the stomach and then once the follicles were developed as much as we wanted then we moved on to the progesterone and oil which that was the not fun one because it's a thicker liquid it's an oil yeah and it has to go in the butt so uh sarah would lay down on the bed again we'd ice the side that we were gonna do uh to kind of numb it up a bit that's a trick that i figured out um your doctor may instruct you with something else that might work better um i apparently warming the oil a little bit can help uh we never figured out that particular trick so for the most part it, it that one it was like every once in a while it would it was like it would hit something and i would jerk yeah. and i felt really bad because well the the thing with it it was it was a thicker liquid and it was a larger amount was, yeah and so the injection itself wasn't so bad but it was like she would feel this fullness in yeah. her butt where the injection was going in i had a lot of band-aids because i do believe it bled yeah like, it would bleed sometimes so we'd put a band-aid on it um kind of sad looking after a while you have all these mm-hmm. band-aids but the these are things that that we're happy to go through and we'd be happy to go oh. through again uh to have another child um our our baby is so perfect and so wonderful everything even when was she's worth a pickle. it even when she's a pickle <laughs> um to tell a story from today i was at home with her today and she is two and a half now uh two and three quarters almost and she's not potty training yet but she's just recently decided that she does not like having full diapers on so um i stepped out of the room for a bit i had dora the explorer or something on the tv and i stepped out of the room for a bit to do a quick chore and i come back into the living room and i look over and she's laying on the couch with her diaper off and just <laughs> naked and with her legs open and she just looks at me and says new diaper and it was an order you know her old diaper was full she didn't want it anymore just take it off and wait for daddy to come back and put a diaper on her so that's what i had to do uh and then the rest of the day it was wait around and suddenly i would hear that diaper coming off and i'd look over and there she's stepping out of her diaper and then she would crawl up on the couch and say new diaper um and i couldn't help but think what if she does that at daycare tomorrow <laughs> I mean, she will not be the first kid probably to do that i'm sure so. she won't be but but she's wonderful in every way uh i wrote a post the other day uh and shared it with the facebook group um of of infertility treatment uh 
that a lot of people, you know, were going through. And uh, this was yesterday. And the post went, I cried today. I cried because for the first time, Stella, completely unprompted, climbed up on me, gave me a hug, and said, I love you. Four years ago, I didn't know if I would ever have that happen. Three years ago, we were still too nervous that Sarah might lose the baby, that we were walking on eggshells, almost expecting to never hear those words. But after Stella got done hugging me, she crawled over to Sarah and gave her a hug and said, I love you to her. She truly is the best. Keep trying, keep pushing, grow a short-term memory, and forget failures. And so that's just kind of an aside to the whole drug thing, but it's it's important to keep in mind that there's an end goal to this, and all of us are going to suffer our own failures and setbacks, and you have to have a short-term memory and roll on to the next one and go and get back onto the horse and start doing those injections again as soon as you're ready to. You don't have to start immediately. You can take time to grieve but you also need to 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 continue on down the path. And sometimes continuing down the path might mean a change of course. Sometimes if you've had enough treatments through IVF and, and IUI, it might be to to turn towards fostering or surrogacy or adoption or or something like that. Or egg donation. Maybe that's your problem. So uh but Keep on it because there's a goal and there's happiness waiting for you in some form. Um, but the drugs, the drugs are a, a inconvenience along the way. Uh, they're not fun. I'm not gonna blow smoke at you and say that they're super easy and, and no problem. They're injections on a regular basis for months. Like of daily basis, brought yeah. at the same time. Yep. You had to be careful about you that. You end up being in the schedule of blowing off friends because, oh, it's 9 o'clock, and 9 o'clock's the time I do yeah. injections. And I, I'm not staying hanging out with you guys till 9.30. We got to go do the injection. So it was nice knowing you. Um, but it's something that there's a there's a goal, and it's worth doing. Now, this wasn't a exhaustive list. There were a lot of drugs that we didn't have to deal. And they all do the same things in different ways. And so, uh, talk to your doctor. Your doctor is going to provide a game plan. And, and deal with their game plan and, and follow it. And if it doesn't work the first time, talk about how you can adjust it. What do you need to do? Um, a lot of the people on the group talk with IUI that the first time is rarely successful. The first time is about establishing a baseline, figuring out how the drugs are affecting you, figuring out what you need to do and how they need to adjust the drugs for the next time. So understand that this is not a, a sprint. This is a marathon sometimes. But, but know that there's a plan and that these drugs do work. And if if you can find out the right treatment for it or figure out exactly what's causing the problems, most of the time these things will be able to help you. 
um, and will be worth it. And if they're not, you move on to the next thing and you keep going. And like I said, you just forget failures because everyone fails. No, no one doesn't have failures. Even people who can get pregnant without any help still have failures. So you just move on, get that short-term memory, and move on. So, um, instead of reading a story from someone this week, like we often do, uh, I figured this week we'd talk about the people's answers to our last week's episode, where we talked about the things that we weren't prepared for, or at least didn't uh, didn't know to expect. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what they said, so. So, um, and I'm not going to read anyone's names for their responses. I didn't specifically ask uh, them and say, I'm going to uh, say your name on the thing. Um, if you hear your story, you know where I got it from. Um, this isn't like real story stories, but it's answers to what what other people weren't expecting or weren't prepared for. Um, first one said, there's a lot of waiting. It's an emotional roller coaster with so many feelings up and down. And that's true. It is. It's, uh, it's an emotional roller coaster, not even just from happy and sad, but nervous and, and excited and, uh, anxious. Oh well, yeah. You're, it's like your dreams are so close, but yet they're oh so far away so um and you know if you watch hollywood um the times you talk about infertility on that you only typically hear about the end part of it where people have gone through the treatment and now they're excited to announce that they've got a baby or whatever but there's there's a whole iceberg underneath that sea there of ups and downs and ins and outs that they had to deal with before they got to there Another person said uh, that she wasn't prepared for a lot of things, but one uh, was all of the unexpected hurdles that appear along the way and when there really aren't any good answers as to why things happen. Also, how much time everything takes. And that's a really good answer there. Um, And none of these are bad answers by any means, but that's a really good answer because it is. It's one of those, again, like I said, when you see... A famous person who had to go through this all you end up seeing is the end result where they're like hey we went through infertility treatments and here's our baby boy or whatever uh but in reality there's a lot of steps along the way and hurdles and and little things for instance for us when we first went in uh when we first went into the doctor and talk to them about it uh they thought it was just um gonna be her pcos and so iui was potentially an option for us and then they tested me and they found out my motility was low and my count was low and iui wasn't gonna be an option and so then it's recuperate figure out what the next step is and move on all of these little hurdles and everything takes time yeah i mean the, you we were driving from Kearney to omaha which is about three hours and then home 
uh, once a week, every week for like three months, four months, you know. And each time that we would drive to Omaha, it would be for a test, a blood test or something. One of my tests. And then it was drive home. And then it was wait for the answer. Yeah. For the call. I remember being nervous about, like, the genetic test. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, here we're finally in the process. And then my brain is like, oh, my gosh, what if, what if they find something? What if I've got something? And then Casey has it. Then what are we going to do? Because... I mean, your brain just goes into overdrive, and so, yeah, it's it can be very overwhelming. Another answer we got was um, a little bit more topical to right now. Uh, person answered, due to COVID, her husband couldn't be at the transfer or appointments or ultrasound for the first heartbeat Aww. or go with her to confirm the miscarriage back in April. She had to go through all of that stuff by herself, and it sucked. Because she couldn't have that emotional support from the partner. Um, and that's heartbreaking that she had to go through it. And unfortunately, like I say, it's it's a consequence of the time that we live in right now. We were fortunate enough to be able to go to every appointment together because we this was all pre-pandemic. Um, and hopefully soon we will get to a point when things can get back to, air quotes, normal and um, I'm going to say this don't let anyone ever make you feel weird for wanting your husband there at every appointment because we Casey went to I think one appointment you couldn't get out of you had an appointment or something and the doctor at the time was like you know he doesn't have to show up every time and I'm like I know he doesn't I want him to and he wants to mm-hmm. so don't let anyone ever make you feel bad about that because I don't know that personally bothered me because it was like you know, like she didn't know her whole story that we'd gone through all of this. So there's a reason why he wants to be there. So mm-hmm. just saying. So. And then uh, the final answer we got from someone said uh, she wasn't prepared for reactions and behavior from friends and family. Some of them were positive. She was able to bond with some individuals who hadn't shared their story with her. But she also lost some friends along the way or felt abandoned by some people who had trouble dealing with the ongoing stress and sadness they were experiencing. To add a whole new set of issues, now that she is pregnant, she's lost some of the people she grew closer with through infertility. She understands that they are likely distancing themselves because it's hard to see them pregnant, but it still hurts. And that is an unfortunate side on this. We recommend you get to know other people in your area who are dealing with it through Facebook or whatever. But you do also have to understand that, especially if their path has been particularly long and and troublesome, that they might have to be a little bit more guarded on their excitement for you when you have your success. Um. For instance, uh, on Facebook, there's there's two different groups that I'm a member of. Um, one of them is full of people who are in process. And one of them is full of success stories. And there are some people who are on both. But there are a lot of people who are only on one or only on the other. and And there's a reason for it that... 
when you're on the one where you're going through pro the process, hearing too many happy-go-lucky success stories can be troublesome for you. Um, when you are on the success side of things, being reminded of all of the stuff you had to go through can be troublesome. So you have to kind of be mindful for everyone yeah. that everyone's on their own path in this and they're happy for you. They just might be distancing themselves to protect themselves. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it, it is, it, it is a really touchy subject because I remember like, of course where I worked, it seemed like everyone kept getting knocked up constantly and people come up to me like, well, you're not happy enough for them. And, and I'd be like, I, I'm ecstatic for them. I said, I just, you know, I can't. It was weird. It was like I couldn't, I never could act right to other people. So then it made me act funny because it was like, if I act too excited, people are going to be like, why is she so excited? But if I didn't act excited at all, then I'm this cruel person. And, you know, you are happy because... Ultimately, that's what you want. And so you're happy for someone else to have a baby. But as Casey can vouch, that I would come home and say, you know, so-and-so pregnant with number three. And, you know, and it it is just a, it's difficult because you got everyone watching you, especially if they know at that point that you're trying for a kid. And, you know, it is, it. There is no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's just, just be gentle to people. Yeah. And that's part of why I think it's, it's nice to be involved in a group of other people who are going through it because there can be that support system, but you do have to go into it understanding that at any point, someone in that who's at a different point in their journey may have to make the decision to back away and close off a bit to protect themselves and no it's not a slight on you it's nothing against you it's a defense mechanism that they have to do to protect themselves um, and and hopefully their journey will catch up to yours at some point and you can reconnect and and become closer again uh, but just keep sending your love and your baby dust towards them to help them out any way you can. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show this week. Um, yeah. And I thank you to everyone who sent in some answers about things they weren't prepared for. Um, yes. If you didn't get your answer in in time for this episode, keep sending it to us. We've got a Facebook page. Facebook.com slash infertility bites. We got an email address, infertility bites podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at infertility pod. Um, hit us up however you need to. Uh, let us know um, if there was anything that you experienced going through this that you weren't prepared for um, so that we can help other people maybe be prepared for it. Um, we also, we could not do this show without stories from you guys um, every person's journey is probably a lot longer than they think it was 
I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to someone. I said, I'd love to tell your story. And they're like, oh, we're just getting started on it. And then I say, well, how long have you been trying to have a kid? And they're like, six years. Well, your story is more than six years long. Yeah. Just because you're just getting started on the treatment side of it doesn't mean you don't have a story to tell. And that's where this show really works best is when we're sharing other people's stories. So, again, Facebook, Twitter, um, or the email address, we've got a flow page, flow.page slash infertility bites. It's going to give you links to all the different social medias, and it also has a link to our submit your story form where you can fill it out there. You can be anonymous. The only reason we even collect an email on it is just so we have a way to get in touch with you if we have any questions. Um, but if you want to be anonymous, if you want to keep your name quiet, if you want to get your name out there, just let us know. We would love to share your story. And if you're not ready to share your story, but you know other people who are going through it, let them know about this podcast. Post it on your Facebook page or even just message them privately about it and say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast. They're looking for people's stories about infertility. Um head over to their Facebook page and see how you can share your story and and because this show only really works when listeners like you submit your stories. So again, facebook.com slash infertility bites. Twitter is at infertility pod, infertility bites podcast at gmail.com. And you can go to flow.page slash infertility bites to see all of the links for this. If you are enjoying this show, One of the best ways to support us is leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you you listen to this. If you're listening to this on Apple, it's simple. On your phone or your computer, you can just click leave a review and let other people know how much you like it. Because Apple specifically uses the reviews in their algorithm for recommendations to get it out to other people. Um, Same thing with, I think, iHeartRadio. A lot of the places have that. And if you're comfortable, if you're at a position in your journey where other people know about it and you're comfortable on sharing with this on your social media, whether that's Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, share it. Let other people know. That's very appreciated because it helps get this out to more people. The more people who listen, the more people who submit their stories, the better this is going to be in the long run. For now, we are going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, I always say, may your dreams of tiny feet be answered soon. As always, we're going to let our little scientific miracle send us off with love and kisses. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Bye. I love you. Hello. Hello. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, love.